So it was about eight or nine years ago, I was talking about the Christmas story and how incredibly difficult it must have been for Mary to be a virgin teenage mother. What I was trying to communicate to the group of teenagers who were sitting in the room before me, one of those teenagers, which included my oldest daughter, was the unbelievability of Mary's story in trying to convince her family, her friends, and her neighbors that this was, in fact, the Son of God in her womb. Imagine Mary saying to her parents, you know how 100% of all pregnancies in the history of the world ever have happened? Well, not this one. This one's different. That's what I was trying to communicate. What I said was, go ahead and get pregnant and try to convince your parents it was an immaculate conception. (laughs) What they heard was, so you're saying I should go and get pregnant. Why do I tell you this story? Because communication is difficult. And sometimes what you say isn't what they hear. So I would like to begin this morning with a short prayer and ask God to make sure that what I intend to communicate is what you hear. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. We have already had an incredible morning together in in worship, and we thank you for your reliability to always be present in our lives. And now I'm praying that what I believe you have laid on my heart, what I intend to say is what they hear. But better yet, God, I pray that we would all leave here hearing exactly what you want us to hear, be it through me or despite the words that come out of my mouth. I I thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Your will be done. Amen. So I know I was introduced earlier, but if you don't introduce yourself by saying your name and what you do, have you really been on stage at Mission Point? I'm just asking the difficult questions here this morning. So my name is Rick and I get to serve. Yeah, I could go on. I I could give titles, but really that's the important part. I get to serve. It's a privilege. It's a joy. I get to serve. Sometimes it's difficult. Oftentimes it's a sacrifice, but I get to serve. Oh, by the way, it's also a command And it's my purpose. I get to serve. This is a truth that I have attempted to instill in my children. We get to serve. When they ask if we have to do something, I tell them, no, we get to do something. This is life on mission. So let me share with you for a few moments about where I like to serve. For me, it's always going to begin and end with with MP students, with teenagers. That's right. Uh, I I am one of the volunteers for the last few years. And for the last couple years, I've had the privilege and joy uh, of of leading and and teaching MP students. Now, for those of you who have uh, children, you will also recognize that I'm often one of the guys behind the computer uh, signing in your children to MP kids. Or I'm, I'm the guy checking tags as you come back to pick up your kids The fact that you come back to pick up your kids, by the way, we're just blessed. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for doing that. I also should mention, 
In case you haven't made the connection, I'm married to Jennifer Near. She's the uh, awesome children's director here at Mission Point, and I just, I just think she's incredible. I, I really do, and I should check my notes just to see if I've missed anything else she told me to say. So here's the thing. Uh, I, I don't serve in MP students and MP kids. I certainly don't serve in MP kids just because she's my wife, all right? There's, or, there's a little bit of that, all right? I serve in MP students and MP kids because I believe in, in the importance of these ministries, all right? And so I'm gonna give you two words this morning to describe why I believe a thousand percent in investing in children and teens. The first word is vulnerable, Children and teens are a vulnerable population. Kids are these amazing empty vessels that we have an opportunity to fill with all sorts of knowledge when they are young. They're vulnerable. Stop and consider some of the headlines that you have read over the last couple of years about what is being taught in some of our schools. The battle for absolute truth is happening right now and our children are at the front lines. Our children are a vulnerable population. If we don't fill them with God's truth, I shudder to imagine the things that will happen to this next generation. They're also an unreached population. We look at a sleeping baby and we wonder how they could ever do anything wrong. And then two years later, we look at that same child and there is no doubt in our eyes that we were all born into sin. Am I right? (laughs) Parents of toddlers, tell the truth. Uh, Watch those toddlers then become teenagers and listen to the stories that teenagers will tell you of things that they hear and things that they see in school. And, And you'll see immediately why we need to be missionaries to our teenagers. And we shouldn't be surprised by the idea that our children are unreached. In fact, until we do so, until we share with them the gospel, they haven't been taught. When Paul talks in Romans 10 about preaching so that people can hear the gospel, we too often forget that our mission field begins at home. So we're gonna jump into Deuteronomy chapter six. Uh, I invite you to to turn in your Bibles there. And, and if you didn't bring a Bible, as you may have heard before, if you're a regular here at Mission Point, uh, the words through the power of technology are going to appear magically uh, above my head. Uh, and also, if you don't own a Bible, you'll never guess. But we are as eager to give out Bibles to you as the kids back in MP Kids are anticipating their snack time. We really love to do it. So in Deuteronomy chapter six, Moses is giving the people the commands from God before they go in to take possession of the promised land. And let me be clear, he is being abundantly clear about this. So Deuteronomy chapter six, starting in verse one. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. I'm calling this the mandate 
to teach, the mandate to teach. And let me highlight a few key words from this passage. Commands, decrees, and laws. I looked those words up. And honestly, they mean exactly what you think they mean, as long as what you think they mean is rules. Rules, rules, rules. Hey, did you hear me? I'm God, and I've got some rules for you. The fact that Moses emphasizes this with three synonyms means we should pay attention. These rules have a purpose. God wants his people to obey. Another phrase I wanna point out, as long as you live, as long as you live. This mandate, it's for life. The the goal for us is to honor and love and serve God forever. Another phrase, so that you may enjoy long life. Keep God's commands so that you may enjoy long life. He emphasizes this in verse two. And then again in verse three, when he repeats, be careful to obey so that it may go well with you. And then he takes it a step further by adding, so that you may increase. Guess what? This is a mandate and it comes with consequences. So for anyone who might try and sneak out early, uh, let me tell you exactly where I'm headed this morning. Serving in children and youth ministry is an incredible experience. And the ministries themselves are better when the people of God invest in them. In fact, I don't think it is so hard to believe that children who love the Lord become teenagers who love the Lord and teenagers who love the Lord become adults who love the Lord and adults who love the Lord invest their time, their treasure and their talent. Without this process, the church uh, ceases to be the church that shares the gospel And without this kind of church, there is no one to share the gospel. And without the gospel, this crazy world becomes void of any hope that we thought it had. And I believe, in fact, that this is what Moses is assuming when he passes on this mandate. He said, these are the commands God wants you to obey so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God. How are your children and their children going to be taught if not by us. So let's talk about the urgency of children and youth ministry. By a show of hands this morning, um, how many of you came to know Jesus before the age of 19? Go ahead and raise your hand. Look around. Uh, Barna Research has shown that 94% of people who become Christians will do so by the age of 19. 94%. Now, I've seen this research down through the years and I've never seen the number lower than 80%. Right now, 94%. And it's not saying that nobody is going to come to Jesus after the age of 19. It's just pointing out what we just showed right here by the raising of our hands, what we have already experienced in our lives. There is a natural propensity for people to come to know Jesus by the age of 19. Well, guess what? We have a church filled with one to 19 year olds. So the mission field starts right here. It's not that we should ever give up on someone once they turn 20, but we have a golden opportunity right here, right now to pour ourselves and our faith into the next generations. 
when we talk about the myriad of voices that speak into our lives and into the lives of our children and teenagers from every other corner of the world, it is imperative that we ensure that there are positive voices, voices of truth, voices of encouragement, and voices of discipleship. It was a few weeks ago at MP Students, uh, we hosted what I called Big Question Night. And instead of bringing a prepared lesson like we normally would, I passed out index cards to all of the teenagers and, and said, you can ask the leaders anything. They're gonna be anonymous. You don't have to sign your name. Ask us anything. Was this dangerous? Absolutely. Was I scared? A little bit. Uh, I, I may have broke their hearts a little bit when I clarified and I said, listen, the question should be about the Bible. They should be about God, about theology, things like that. Although that didn't stop one or more of them from asking what my favorite video game was. But all in all, these teens had amazing questions that revealed what has been on their hearts and minds. Listen to a few of them. How does the Trinity work? How does sin affect aliens? I'm gonna do a little research. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, why doesn't God seem reliable? How does the fossil record connect with the biblical record? How do we reach people of different religions? Do pets go to heaven? What happens if I accidentally commit the unforgivable sin? How do I deal with friends who say they are Christians but don't live it out? How can I be more intentional about my own time spent with God? Teens are uh, looking for answers to important questions and the church is where we want them to get these answers. But the mandate in Deuteronomy 6 wasn't just to pastors and youth leaders. It was to everyone. For those of us who are the children of God and who come together as the church, let's be very clear this morning. We get to serve. It starts at home and it continues very quickly into our local church. I bet some of you weren't even thinking about the fact that all of the families that are with us on a weekly basis, they are bringing the mission field with them to church. MP kids and MP students. And I believe without any reservations that by being involved in, in children's and youth ministry, I am helping shape the next generation. So what makes me qualified to talk about the value of children and youth ministry. Or for that matter, what, what makes me qualified to serve in, in children and youth ministry? And the answer is nothing. I am the literal definition of how God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. My story is probably fairly similar to each of yours. I am part of the 94%. I was raised in a Christian home and if the, doors, uh, if the doors of the church were open, it was probably because my parents had volunteered to open them. And if they were gonna be opening them and going there, they were going to drag me along with them. I was always there. And if the kids ministry had an award to earn, my overachieving self was going to do whatever it took to memorize anything in order to get that badge or that patch or that trophy or ribbon. My parents had me in church on the regular because they understood that what we're talking about here are literal matters of life and death. And I'm not trying to be overdramatic here. God brought the drama when he used phrases like, so that you may enjoy long life and 
so that it may go well with you. If you still have your finger in Deuteronomy 6, check it to make sure I'm not making anything up. God used these phrases in connection with keeping all of his commands. So you tell me, what do you think the opposite of enjoying long life and having it go well with you is? We're discussing life and death and the urgency of sharing these matters with a vulnerable and unreached population. I'm no expert. I had a lot of head knowledge, biblical head knowledge, but by the time I was a teenager, I was the biblical definition of a hypocrite. I was living one life at home and church and an entirely different life at school. And my life was changed forever in part because of the impact and investment of a youth leader. How many of you remember struggling with your faith as a teenager? How many of you remember asking the big questions as a teenager? Or maybe you came to know Jesus as a teenager. Perhaps in some way your faith became your own as a teenager. Do you remember there being adults who spent time and cared about you during those years? If the children's ministry years are important because we are laying a foundation of truth and knowledge in our children's lives, and they are, then the youth ministry years are also important because we are cementing those ideas into practice. The teenage brain is always processing, making connections between what we say we believe and how we live out what we actually believe. Are we careful to obey the commands of God? Because teens will recognize any inconsistency and they won't be shy about calling you out on them. For me, committing as a teenager to a faith that was authentically my own became a lifelong calling. But it's not a unique calling to just a few pastors and teachers. I believe it started with Jesus. Now, many people are familiar with Jesus saying that the children should be allowed to come to him because it was to them belongs the kingdom of God. But how many of you knew that Jesus was a youth pastor? Now, the parents who came to the MP students parent meeting a couple weeks ago, they know because I shared this with them. But check this out. In Exodus chapter 30, God tells Moses to collect a temple tax from every man who's 20 years and older. Collect a temple tax if they're 20 and older. Then in Matthew chapter 17, the collectors of this temple tax, they ask Peter, Peter, does Jesus pay taxes? And Peter was never one to shy away from a challenge. And so he probably said something like, yeah, of course Jesus pays taxes. And then it says, Peter went back to where Jesus was with all of the other disciples And I kind of imagine him leaning in and whispering, hey, Jesus, uh, do we pay taxes? And, And I imagine Jesus was like, we shouldn't have to, right? But then he says this, but so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. My tax and yours. He was sitting around all the other disciples. He could have said, take it for my tax and Matthew's tax and everyone's tax here. He didn't say that. He said, my tax and yours. It appears to me that Peter was the only disciple that was 20 years of age or older, which means Jesus was the first youth pastor. He had one adult volunteer 
and a youth group of 11 crazy boys. And one of them was the problem kid. Jesus believed in youth ministry and he used teenagers to change the world. And I believe he's still wanting to use teenagers to change the world. See, when I think about children's and youth ministry, I believe that we are trying to accomplish the same thing that Jesus was accomplishing with his first disciples. And that's because the mission has never changed. Matthew chapter 28, the great commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. See, the first disciples we make, the first disciples we baptize, the first disciples we teach, they live in our homes. Most of them are shorter than us, of course, until they aren't, uh, and they become teenagers. You may have heard it said that Christianity is always just one generation away from extinction. Well, I believe that children and teenagers represent that generation. We are attempting to make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. So how are we going to accomplish this calling? Back to Deuteronomy chapter six, where Moses continued with an important word, starting in verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses, and on your gates. I'm calling this the mission to reach. So several weeks ago, again at MP Students, we were finishing up a series on the book of Job. And I was telling the teens how the story of Job ends with God blessing Job and his wife with 10 more kids and all the riches besides. One of the teens stopped me at that point. So I need to pause here and say, first of all, I appreciate, no one's interrupted me once, not once. That's, that's just great. That never happens at MP students. Uh, I plan for interruptions all the time. And this is where it came in that particular lesson. I had just shared with them the end of Job. And this teenager raises, raises their hand and says, hold up. How have I never heard this before? This, this is like hearing that Jesus had a twin brother and his name was Bezos. Listen, I'm not making this up. Uh, That's what they said. (laughs) Teens are very creative. Um, One of the other leaders said, well, uh, listen, Jesus didn't have a twin brother, but he did have brothers. Out of the corner of my eye then, another teen's head just about exploded. (laughs) What? How have I never heard this? Jesus had brothers? How, How have we never heard these things? As a parent, you have probably experienced uh, with your own children asking the right question at precisely the right time. And I looked at them and I smiled and I said, I'm so glad you asked. 
But hear me, church, because this truth doesn't apply just to teenagers. I tried to gently explain to them, they didn't know this stuff because they weren't reading their Bibles regularly. You see, they were coming to church in the youth group and they were assuming, check, uh, uh, I'm done for the week. I explained to them, you could come to church every week and you could come to youth group every week. And I even added in a midweek Bible study and you could go to that every week. Say that you were in church 150 times every year. There are 31,102 verses in the Bible. Pastors and teachers will only cover so many. Life on mission means all our life is on mission. I am not up here painting a picture of children's and youth ministry where you can expect to drop off your baby uh, and, and then pick them up as, as a graduate from high school and expect for them to be a fully mature, fully devoted follower of Christ. All ministry is family ministry. So let's talk about how we can be involved in the mission to reach by drawing out a few more phrases from Deuteronomy chapter six. The first one is, these commandments are to be on your hearts. For everyone, this has to be something that we care about at our, at our core. When you care about something with all your heart, you make time for it. You sacrifice other things for it. Was anyone around a Taylor Swift fan earlier this week? Some of you were, I can tell. Uh, let's just say that, that, that those few hours were probably not the most productive uh, in, in work or in school as, as Swifties uh, waited behind thousands of others to get their tickets. Listen, as Christians, we need to ha- have that same level of commitment when it comes to our faith. These commandments are to be on our hearts. We make time for it. We move our schedule and our to-do list around for it. We focus on these things. So one way to be involved is to pray. Pray for your kids, pray for the teachers, pray about being a part of the team. Jesus said the workers would be few, but he didn't say it had to be that way. We have to care to our core. Another phrase, impress them on your children. Impress, to affect deeply, to make a mark. Parents, this is not a side conversation. This is not, oh, by the way, when my kids were young, we we created habits to make sure that church was a regular part of our schedule. Can you imagine how capable your child would be at math if they went once when they were learning one plus one equals two, and then they didn't hear about math again until algebraic equations. I'm just saying I might not let that kid be my accountant, okay? Impress these things on your children by making these age-appropriate ministries, MP kids and MP students, a regular part of their lives. In fact, Let me give you a couple of important reasons why right now is a fantastic time to have your kids regularly in MP Kids. They have been using a plan called the Gospel Project, which takes them straight through the Bible. 
week in and week out. It gives them an overview of the entire Bible. And they're not just hitting highlights. Just last week, they were talking about Paul's third missionary journey. Paul's third missionary journey. I'm, I'm begging you, tell me the last time you heard a sermon or were part of a Bible study that was talking about Paul's third missionary journey. Some of you might be sitting there going, he had a third missionary journey? That's what they're doing back in MP Kids. They're they're a long way from just singing songs about Noah's Ark and and putting felt board characters up on a board. They they are talking about the Bible uh, every single week. Another timely reason to have your kids, especially those age four through grade four, attending regularly, is that the kids are learning a few songs that they're gonna be singing on Christmas Eve. Jennifer is teaching these songs to them every week. If you don't want your kid to be in front of the whole church, being the only one who doesn't know the words and he's just looking back and forth at the other kids, maybe consider having them be a regular part of MP Kids every week. So I know that last part kind of felt like a a commercial break and an announcement shoved into uh, a sermon. This sermon brought to you in part by MP Kids. Uh, but here's, here's what I'm talking about. The, the songs, the stories, the snacks, the everything that they do is, is with a purpose. In fact, if you want to see my wife uh, cringe behind a smile, thank her for babysitting your kids. <sighs> I will hear about it later. In fact, if several of you just go and say that to her, she'll know I put you up to it because babysitting kids is not what's happening back in MP Kids, all right? We're, we're talking about impressing truth and impressing truth in our children means having them in church on a regular basis. Another phrase there in Deuteronomy 6, Moses wrote, talk about them. Moses writes that we should talk about these commandments when we get up, when we lie down, when we're at home and when we're out. You get the idea that he means all the time. Send them to MP kids and MP students and then follow up. What did you learn? How will you apply that truth? How can I help you to remember this truth? How can we as a family be applying these truths? Moses goes on in verses eight and nine and he talks about tying these commandments as symbols on your hands or writing them on your homes. Now you can go purchase Jesus wear or home decor if you want, but I would like to challenge you to make this a bit more personal. Volunteer, sign up to be involved in some way as a part of MP kids or MP students. Sign up with your family to help. Teenagers aren't your thing, go rock a baby. Do babies freak you out because of the way they just kind of stare deep into your soul? Then, then go be a small group leader to kids and be their hero because you spent time with them. This is why when Jen prints out the stickers for all the adult uh, volunteers and the, and the teenage volunteers, uh, it says VIP. We understand that what we are doing is not babysitting. It is a very important work. It's the mission. College students, can I encourage you? Do you realize that just by virtue of being young, And by being tall, you bring automatic swag in the eyes of children. Seriously, uh, watch a six-foot goofball walk into the room with a a bunch of four-year-olds, and they immediately command their attention. If you are more than three and a half feet tall, boom, you are looked up to. Um, 
And here's the thing, college students, I happen to know Jennifer is willing to work with your crazy college schedule so that you have the opportunity to impact the next generation for Christ while you're at college. Parents, you might feel like we don't have a voice at all when it comes to teaching your own child or teenager. First of all, don't buy the lie. Don't buy that lie because you've been given a mandate and a mission. But secondly, you absolutely have a voice to others. My kids might not talk to me, but they'll talk to you. Your kids might not talk to you, but they'll talk to me. Come bring the snacks to MP students. It, it never ceases to amaze me every Sunday. Teens, did, did you eat at home before you came to youth group? Yeah. Are you still hungry? Yeah. Here's some snacks. Uh, week in, week out. What are, what are we eating? Uh, you, you could be a small group leader to a group of children or teens that don't necessarily include your own son or daughter. You could be a part of the village that we say it takes to raise a child. For those of you who are single or empty nesters, I haven't forgotten about you. You bring a perspective that is outside the grind of parenting day in and day out. Our children and our teenagers need your influence in their lives. Older generations, don't ever dream you have become too old to serve. Don't ever say to me, I did my time. I have a personal philosophy that goes like this. If you're not dead, you're not done. How you volunteer could take on a variety of different looks. It might be helping as a small group leader. It might be writing notes, helping organize extra activities, uh, bringing food, driving or chaperoning extra events. Right now, I think that my teenager would tell you the coolest person in the world is a 70-year-old woman who taught her in Sunday school during her elementary years. This lady invested in her, taught her biblical truth, and still asks about her. It doesn't hurt that this lady is, is really cool. She still runs on the regular, and, and I think she knows four different types of martial arts. She's, she's pretty cool. When I was growing up, somehow I was the only fourth grader at my church that had a Sunday school class just for fourth graders. But that didn't stop a man by the name of Lou Walters from committing every Sunday to teaching me about the Bible. He had 100% attendance uh, with, with me and, and 100% of my attention. Children and teens will respond to the oldest person who takes an interest in them. And I'm just hoping that we have a church family that's ready to invest in our children and our teens because of the mandate and the mission. Deuteronomy 6 ends with God telling the people this, starting in verse 20. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our very eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders. The way we live our lives today is a direct result of the miraculous things God has done for us. For those of us on the other side of the cross, this mandate, this mission has become even more miraculous. It's become more urgent. It's become more life-changing. God came to earth in the form of Jesus 
to die for us. And we respond by giving our all to him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. And I thank you for the opportunity to serve. It is, it is always a joy and a privilege. And you, you give us strength where, where we don't always have it in order to, to accomplish this mission. And so I pray uh, again that what I have intended to communicate is what your people have heard. And I pray that we would not be, that we would not be like the person who looks in the mirror and, and forgets uh, entirely what we look like as we walk away. I pray that you would help us to be the people who hear the word and go out and, and, and obey it. Uh, I, I pray for your blessing on us all, and I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.